Welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 23 of the 2022 podcast series where we take a look at the draft eligible prospects and get you ready for the NFL draft just a week away, April 28th, Las Vegas, Nevada. And look, because we are so close to the draft, really what we're trying to do is cram six podcasts into six straight days, positional breakdown, taking a look at really where do we see these prospects coming off the board in each day of the draft. Yesterday, we took a look at the quarterbacks and the running backs. Today, it's all about the receivers and the tight ends. And look, you know, if the last couple of seasons have been any indication, we're going to be seeing over 30 wideouts come off the board. And you know, this is also a deep tight end class. So we could see as many as 15, which would be the most since 2019, coming off the board. If you include the fullbacks and... Uh, H-backs, then you're possibly even looking at 17, which would be the most in the last six seasons. So we've got a lot of ground to cover. So let's just jump right into things and let's start with this wide receiver class, shall we? You know, I think when you look at the receiver class, you're going to obviously compare them to seasons, seasons past, right? And so last year you had Jamar Chase, number five overall, a guy who didn't play in the COVID short shortened season and ends up having a, a stellar season there with the Bengals and just absolutely just set the the, the, the the league on fire. You know, you had Devontae Smith with the Eagles, really had a, a solid season there. Jalen Waddle with, with Miami. Now that he's got Tyreek Hill there, I think you're you're gonna see some some good things there uh, for for the Finns. Kadarius Tony battled some injuries, but then Rashad Bateman uh, you know, Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, guys that really started uh, coming into their own as the season continued. Um, you know, if you go back, though, and you look at these these draft classes, you know, there's more than one that, that really stands out. You know, you look at 2020, uh, obviously you had Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy, the Alabama duo that comes off the board at the top of the draft, but C.D. Lamb, Justin Jefferson. I, I don't think anybody's going to forget, you know, the day that the Eagles on Jeff, Justin Jefferson and took Jalen Rager, who to this point has been a bust. But T. Higgins, you know, a, a sneaky good pick there at the top of round two. Michael Pittman Jr. has become the the wide receiver one there in Indianapolis. Um, you know, Chase Claypool really stepped into his own there as well as a second round pick. So look, already we've we're just gone over the last two drafts, and you can see you can sit there on day two of the draft and land a really solid wideout. And, and a guy that could end up being a focal point of your offense. And so you, you move to 2019. Let's just do that for a second. That, you know, we only had two wide receivers taken in round number one in 2019. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown taken off the board in round number two. D.K. Metcalf at the end of round two. Remember, there was a lot of discussion about his inability to uh, you know, get in and out of his breaks because, yes, he had the long speed, but... You know, the, the agility drills, he, he didn't fare very well. Terry McLaurin, scary Terry, fell all the way to round number three for the Redskins. Uh, you know, so it's, it, that, that was a draft that was definitely uh, interesting because it was basically, you know, that, that second day was really where, where you saw the, the meat and potatoes of that group. Uh, you know, you look at, at DJ Moore uh, was really the, the star of that, that 2018 class at the top of the draft. Um, you know, but obviously as you get in further, you're talking about DJ Chark and Michael Gallup on day two. Um, so that draft, you know, 
in terms of the receivers, Marquez Valdez-Scantling fell all the way to round number five. You know, out of out of South Florida, people weren't really talking about him. We saw him emerge. Russell Gage ended up signing a contract with the Bucks to be their number three wideout. He was taken in round number six. Braxton Berrios, the Jets' uh, unsung hero, if you will, the cult following uh you know at the end of round number six uh and then going into 2017 that's where you had Corey davis mike williams john ross coming off the board in the top 10 there's a little bit of a drop off after that but that's still a draft where cooper cup taking number 69 overall so again we're going to be talking about some receivers at the top of this draft and you know i think the last couple of drafts you know we've seen guys uh, really emerge jmar chase is is one of those but justin jefferson is another guy and but pay attention to the guys on day two because there are some names in there that you need to get to know because those are going to be guys that look fantasy teams everyone's going to be jumping on them and wanting to really um go after some of these rookies so when i look at round number one my number one wideout is drake london if you follow my podcast you know i'm a big fan of drake london it's not just because i went to usc it's because i watched every game this guy's played and he was a you know two sports star also played basketball and what was crazy his development from his sophomore to his junior season he decided to focus solely on football and you really saw a difference in the way that this guy played the game he, you know you, you the hunger and, and his ability to attack the football this guy just would not be denied going after the football in his first two years combined with the Trojans 72 catches 1069 yards and eight touchdowns now through just eight games because he tore or he broke that ankle Halloween day or Halloween night I should say against Arizona 88 receptions 1084 yards seven touchdowns and here's the thing he was USC's offense so teams were going out that they knew that number 15 was going to get double digit targets and yet nobody could stop this guy he was well on his way to a Bolitnikoff award had that injury not taken place and I know the argument is, is look the guy's just slow you know and he's not going to be able to to win you know vertically but here's the thing, you know, and, and what I really appreciate about Drake London's game, you know, because that's not his game. He's not going to be a guy that's going to win vertically, uh, you know, necessarily. But what you are going to have is a guy that's going to go up and, and attack the football. This guy is the premier contested catch receiver in this draft. He's going to attack the football in the air, much like he does coming down with the rebound. And the, the nuance with his ability to get in and out of his breaks, he's a basketball player. A lot of that lateral agility, you see that out of Drake London. And so I'll get off my soapbox. I know we've got a lot of receivers to cover, and I'm spending a lot of time talking about my number one. But look, I'm gonna he's the guy that I'm going to pound the table for time and time again. So I had to, to show some love there for, for Drake London. Look, this is a guy who I think could go as high um, as number eight to the Falcons. I think there's a good chance that the Falcons go, uh, if they don't go quarterback, if they don't go Malik Willis, that... They're gonna. They, they need a receiver. They need a receiver desperately. Well, we talked about that as we were looking at uh, whether or not they would go with a quarterback yesterday. And you know, when Alameda Zacchaeus is your you know leading receiver, you know returning receiver, uh, you know that you're in some trouble. And you know that's not really a slide on Alameda Zacchaeus, but he's more of a role player, a guy that's going to be playing out of the slot. You, know, you want him to kind of be more of your um, you know number four. Uh, or number five option in your passing game 
not a guy who's going to end up being kind of your number one target. So that, that's really the, the biggest concern there. And so I, I think Drake London can absolutely be, uh, you know, come off the board there at number eight. I don't think he gets past the Jets, though. I think this is a guy who's going to end up being a top ten pick. And, uh, you know, we'll see where, where things go from there. Number two... With this receiving class, I'm looking at Garrett Wilson, and this is a guy, look, he's so smooth, so athletic. I don't think anyone was expecting him to run as fast as he did at the combine, uh, you know, but Garrett Wilson steps out onto the field, six foot, 183 pounds, ran a 4.3840. This is a guy went over a thousand yards as well, seven, 70 catches, 1,058 yards, 12 touchdowns. A guy who is just so smooth and so sudden coming in and out of his breaks. Another guy who's very, you know, the body control when he elevates and attacks a football in the air. Uh, you know, excellent hands, tremendous body control along the sideline as well. Uh, you know, Garrett Wilson. I'm looking at him. I think Atlanta is also in play for, for Wilson. I think the Jets possibly, but I don't think he gets past Washington there at 11. I think if he's on the board, Washington's going to seriously consider taking him there. And so if not, if, if Washington ends up going after uh, you know Kyle Hamilton because Kyle Hamilton falls, then I could also see Garrett Wilson potentially going to Houston. Houston needs another receiver, right? You know, and, and I, I think this would make a lot of sense because when you look at uh, Houston and their receiving core right now, you know, you've got Brandon Cooks on the roster, um, but he's going to need some help. You know, you have uh, Nico Collins, Chris Conley, Chris Moore. They need another guy there, and so I think Garrett Wilson makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, Houston at 13. You know, if they are going to target a receiver, and Wilson and, and London are not on the board, I think you probably see them trade down so they can end up getting either Traylon Burks or Chris Olave after that. Um, you know, from there, you know, I'm looking at, at really Traylon Burks and Chris Olave kind of as a tandem there because I think Philly and New Orleans are going to be looking for receivers. And I think that these are the two guys that they're ultimately going to end up targeting. The Saints, if they don't go quarterback, and I think there's a good chance that we do see them go quarterback there with their second pick in round number one after they get their offensive tackle, likely Trevor Penning to replace uh, Taron Armstead, but when you look at it, you know, and, and you look at um, first New Orleans. Actually, no, I think Philly would be the first pick, and, and so uh, Burks makes a lot of sense because you pair him with Devontae Smith. Look, Jalen Rager has been a disappointment. Quez Watkins has some upside. J.J. Arcega, Whiteside, another guy that's really been a, a disappointment as well. You got to get some additional weapons for Jalen Hurts. You got to help him out. Uh, you have Dallas Goddard there at tight end. Um, you know, Miles Sanders. You know, kind of up and down. But you got to get those weapons for for Jalen Hurts and, and Traylon Burks is a guy that um, you know the 50-50 balls if. London is the premier contested catch guy. This is the 50-50 ball master, a guy that's able to get vertical down the field as well. Uh, and look, he ran that 4-5-5-40 at the combine, but he plays a lot faster, a guy that's going to get over the top. I think there's some deceptive speed there. Quick acceleration, getting to full speed, even though the long speed may not necessarily be there. I think this is a guy that is definitely going to help Philly out. Um, and then Chris Olave, another guy. Look, he ran that 4-2-6 unofficial, uh, really turned some heads. Uh, and uh, you know, at six foot, 187 pounds, ended up being a four three nine forty. But look, you know, 35 touchdowns in his career. All the guy does, you know, like, like they say with with Chris Carter, is catch touchdowns. And you know, he, he's another smooth athlete there coming out of Ohio State. Tremendous body control as well. Um, but he, his game is about that speed, being able to get vertical, being able to set up his man, and, and be able to separate. 
that's going to be one of the keys when you're talking about receivers is being able to separate. And, and so I have these guys laid out right now in my mock draft. But I'll tell you what, the guy who's coming and the guy who's going to be climbing up draft boards and the guy who's going to end up being possibly the number two, if not the number three wide receiver off the board. Mark my words, if you've got Wilson or London going to eight to Atlanta and 10 to uh, the Jets, I actually think, the more I think about it as I'm talking, is Houston sitting there at 13 could target Jamison Williams. Now, I know Jameson Williams tore his ACL in the national title game, January 10th. Here we are in, in April, but this guy's already ahead of schedule. They're already talking about him potentially being available around you know training camp or, or close to that. And this is a guy, look, you know, he was an absolute beast for, for Bama. You know, and uh, Bryce Young, yes, he wins the Heisman, but, you know, Jamison Williams was played a big role in that six six one and a half, 179 pounds, um, you know, long limbed, you know, look, 79 catches, over 1500 yards, 15 touchdowns. He was a guy that just was able to, you know, those vertical routes, the posts, being able to set his man up, and you know, you saw at the stem, you know, the the ability to fake one way and be able to plant and and get down the field and not lose any speed. In fact, he was actually accelerating through some of those moves and really had guys turned around because he was able to accelerate through that as he's getting vertical and, and you know at that point he's leaving guys in the dust so I think there's a great chance that Jamison Williams moves ahead of Traylon Burks and Chris Olave throughout this process he's been kind of kicked down the board because of the injuries and I think now because he's ahead of schedule he may surge up boards and uh, you know Houston may be where he ends up coming off the board. And if that happens, then Burks and Olave are still in play there for the Eagles and the Saints. And then finally at the wide receiver spot, I'm looking at Jahan Dotson in round one uh, out of Penn State. And look, with Jahan Dotson's 5'11", 178 pounds, ran that 4'4", 340 at the combine. But what I think was most um, important for Jahan Dotson was showing showcasing those hands. Because I, I think this is a guy who is he's smaller, you know, only 178 pounds, a guy that I think gets rerouted, struggles with some of the physicality from some of the corners, but you put the ball anywhere near this guy, and he's able to come down with the football. Tremendous hands, sticky, sticky hands. And so he plays bigger than his size down the field. If you don't get a hand on him and you allow him to elevate those 50-50 balls, he's coming down with it because he probably has better hands than your defender. Uh, 91 catches, 1,182 yards, 12 touchdowns. Probably could have been a little bit more had he gotten a little bit better quarterback play out of Sean Clifford. But I think Jahan Dotson, to me, isn't getting past the Chiefs. I look at him and he just feels like you know, he's going to be the replacement for Tyreek Hill and be that vertical presence, a guy that's going to be uh, you know, that speed merchant, a guy that's not only going to separate vertically, but can also separate on those routes, those crossing routes, being able to run away from defenders coming across the field as well, where he's going to make up a lot of yardage. Um, so I think right now I'm looking at 
uh, if you're scoring at home, six receivers taken in round number one. That's uh, the most since since 2020 uh, when we saw Ruggs, Judy, Lamb, Rager, uh, Jefferson, and Ayuk come off the board in round one. I think it's absolutely possible that that could happen. There are two or three other receivers that could come off the board in round one, but I think ultimately we're going to see them come off the board in round two. I'm looking at Christian Watson as, as the first receiver coming off the board in round two. And when you talk about Christian Watson, I mean, there, there's a lot to love with this guy. 43 catches, 800 yards, that's 18.5 yards per catch, seven touchdowns, over 10-inch hands. So he's got these monster hands. But then at 6'4", 208, runs a 4'3", 6'40", 38.5-inch vertical leap. He's a physical specimen. I... I, I wouldn't put out of the realm of possibility that if there's another team that ends up taking uh, Jahan Dotson and he's not there, you know, possibly Green Bay may have to take Dotson there in round one if the other receivers are taken earlier. You could see Christian Watson potentially going to the Chiefs there uh, at number 29. And, you know, I, I think they, you know, I would feel okay with that because of the way, you know, there's the tremendous athlete and the upside that you see there with Christian Watson. And so, I think that's definitely a possibility. Right now in my mock draft, um, you know, I've got Christian Watson ultimately going to the Colts. You know, I think the Colts right now, it makes a lot of sense for them. You've got Matty Ice as your, your number one, but you're going to need a quarterback of the future. Uh, they, they don't have one on the roster. I think ultimately Desmond Ritter ends up going to the Colts there in round number two. Um, but if not... They need a receiver to run with with Michael Pittman Jr. And I like Christian Watson there a lot. George Pickens out of Georgia. 6'3", 199 pounds. This dude tears his ACL. Otherwise, he he's being talked about as a potential first rounder. As it is, you know, the, the athleticism, this is a guy who end up, ended up battling back and it made it into the, you know got to, got to play a couple of couple of games uh, ran a 4-4-7-40 a lot more speed than I think everyone was expecting this dude's got small hands though eight eight and three quarters inches um, which is surprising for a guy his size um, but definitely a guy who I think could be a, a a freak going down the field using that speed using that size his ability to attack the ball in the air um, you know I had him going to the Bears for a while but look Atlanta needs needs help they need receivers even if they go Garrett Wilson or Drake London. I think they need another receiver, and uh, George Pickens would make a lot of sense there as well. So, not done in round number two. How about Sky Moore out of Western Michigan? You're going to say, so here's a group of five guy. First group of five receiver? No, you also have Christian Watson from the FCS. So yeah, technically he is a group of five guy um, and would be the first coming off the board. Sky Moore shows up at the Combine. 5'10", 195 pounds, but huge hands, 10 and a quarter inch hands, 4'4", 140. And when you watch his game, you know, he looks sudden, you know, maybe quicker than he is fast, but that 4'4", 140 says that he does have some of that vertical speed. 95 catches, nearly 1,300 yards, 10 touchdowns, built up some really nice chemistry with the quarterback there, Caleb Ellaby, who has a chance to latch on to a roster. I don't think he gets drafted, but I think he'll be a priority free agent. And... Keep an eye on where Sky Moore goes because that could be where Caleb Ellaby ultimately signs as well. I think the chemistry there was real. Um, I think Indy makes a lot of sense for Sky Moore. 
Um, I think you pair him with Michael Pittman Jr. and you've got a nice duo for Matt Ryan. I'm also looking at the Patriots. Patriots sitting there at number 54 overall. They need wideouts. They 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 just they they don't have a playmaker. They don't have a number one. Is Sky Moore really a number one? Uh, you know, probably not. But when you look at the this receiving core, Nelson Aguilar, uh, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers, Nikhil Harry, they need a guy who can you know stretch the defense vertically. Also, an excellent route runner, which Sky Moore is. I think it would be a you know a perfect fit there. He feels like a Bill Belichick guy, and so I, I really like that fit. But then you move on from him. There's John Mechie that's sitting out there. Another guy, you know, who tore up his knee, torn ACL. But all, all the guy has done for Bama the last couple of years is just produce. And that's one of the things that you just have to continue to talk about is, you know, you know, 96 catches, uh, 1142 yards, and and eight touchdowns. Just this past season alone, you know, 5'11", 187 pounds. He's probably running in that 4'3 to low 4'4 range. Uh, had he run at the combine, uh, another guy who seems to be ahead of schedule with with his injury. I'm looking at him towards the end of round number two, and the Buffalo Bills sitting there at number 57 overall. You know, I had him going to Atlanta at one point if Atlanta wanted to take a second uh, second receiver. You know, I, I could definitely see that happening, but. You know, the Buffalo Bills, they, they need one more receiver, right? I mean, you've, you've obviously got Stephon Diggs, Gabriel Davis, but he's going to give you a different different dynamic. John, John Mechie is going to be a guy that's going to be able to stretch you vertically, a guy that can stretch you horizontally as well, and is going to open up some of those for, uh, you know, for Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis. You know, Emmanuel Sanders, Cole Beasley, some of these sudden guys, you need to have those guys to really complement your top wideouts. So I think that makes a lot of sense there. Give Josh Allen yet another weapon down the football field. Round number three, the talent doesn't stop there. Um, so when we're talking about round number three, the first guy in my mind, I think the sweet spot is is Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. And with Houston, if they don't go with the wideout in round number one, then I think sitting there in round number three at 68 overall, Jalen Tolbert makes a lot of sense. 6'1", 194. The Giants are sitting there one pick above them at 67. They could use another wideout. I think Jalen Tolbert could potentially go there. The Jets, the Lions, they're also sitting in that in that area. Even the Jaguars at 65, not out of the realm of possibility that they would take a receiver as well. But what you have with Jalen Tolbert uh, is a guy, look, he's, he's a bigger receiver, 10-inch hands, um, and 4-4-9-40. So he does extend the field down the, down the football field. But uh, in 2021, follows up you know, a 1,000-yard season in 2020. 82 catches, 1,474 yards. That's 18 yards per reception and eight touchdowns. You look at him, he's one of the bigger receivers, and so you're not thinking about him as a vertical threat, but this dude has legit speed getting down the field. A guy that's going to be able to go up and high point the football as well. Use those big mitts to just haul in those those footballs over the corners. I think he's the guy that could sneak into round two as well, and I'd be perfectly fine with it, especially if Christian Watson sneaks into round one. Jalen Tolbert at that point ends up popping into uh, round number two and uh, I think it makes a lot of sense there um, Calvin Austin out of Memphis a- another dude who's just you know you watch him and the route running can be a little sloppy at times but look he's 5'8 170 pounds runs a 4'3 240 so who really cares right back to back thousand yard seasons 
two punt return for touchdowns. This guy's going to be your slot receiver. He's explosive. He's sudden. He wins at the line of scrimmage. Um, so he's a lot of fun to watch. If you haven't gotten to watch uh, Calvin Austin play, he's definitely just a, a bundle of energy. And I'm looking again, Atlanta Falcons, they need receivers. And so I, I think if you get a bigger receiver, whether it's in, in round one or round two, then you could then they'll probably take a pass rusher if they go receiver in round one, um, possibly a quarterback. But I think really if they pass on a receiver in round one, or I mean on a quarterback in round one, I don't know that they're going to go quarterback at that point. I think they'll be satisfied with Marcus Mariota. Maybe they go with a quarterback late. Um, but I don't know. All signs just seem to point towards them going after a quarterback, right? I mean, Marcus Mariota, I think, is the perfect um, bridge quarterback. I think that's why Arthur uh, Smith jumped on him right away after uh, the Matt Ryan trade, bringing a guy who he's familiar with, a guy that can end up teaching their next quarterback. And then round two, you know, if you take Matt Malik Willis in round one, round two, you go George Pickens, let's say, and then Calvin Austin in round three, you've solidified, uh, you know, that passing attack to some degree. Um, I, I would say they probably triple up and take another receiver later on as well. Um, but I think you're off to a good start there. And then you can start targeting uh, some of the other positions as well. Um, you know, so Calvin Austin, though, man, a lot of fun to watch, um, you know, just explosive, explosive, explosive. And, and we're going to stick with another smaller receiver there in round number three. How about Wandale Robinson? And if the name sounds familiar, yes, he did play at Nebraska, but then he moved to Kentucky for his final year, and, man, did he just blow up. You know, He was Will Levis's favorite target there, 5'8", 178 pounds. Uh, and the thing that is a little scary about uh, you know, Wandale is not only is he he's not that big, but then he also has these short arms, 27 and 5'8 inch arms. So he's got, you know, the short arms, you know, the dude reps out 225 like it's nobody's business. But with those short arms, you know, us guys with, with longer arms, man, you got a lot more, you know, a lot further for that bar to travel, right? Runs that 440 uh, at the combine. I mentioned all the production, over 1,300 yards and seven touchdowns for the Wildcats. And I've got him going to Cleveland. You know, and when you look at Cleveland, you know, what do they need? They need some wideouts, right? I mean, they've, they've got Amari Cooper, you've got Donovan Peoples Jones, but. Jarvis Landry's not there, at least right now. Richard Higgins is not there as well. Anthony Schwartz is kind of your vertical threat guy. But, you know, you're going to need a, a guy who can be reliable as a pass catcher. And so that's why I think this makes a lot of sense with uh, with Wandell Robinson. Staying in round number three, I look at Khalil Shakir, and I feel like Khalil Shakir is um, Amon Ross St. Brown all over again. And the reason why I say that is, you know, they, they've got similar body type, you know, six foot, 196. Um, you know, you watch him at the combine, run similar times. Although, you know, Khalil Shakir, I think Amon Ross ran, I think, 4.51. And Shakir ran a 4.4, 3.40. But it's all about route running, body control, the hands, and the run after catch. You know, and so I think those are things that really speak to me for, for both of those guys. You know, they have some of that returnability. And then when you look at it, 77 catches, over 1,100 yards, seven touchdowns in his final season there uh, on the blue turf in Boise. I think it makes a lot of sense. And I'm looking at Dallas for, for Khalil Shakir. I think when you look at, at what the Dallas Cowboys need, 
Obviously, we know Amari Cooper's gone. Cedric Wilson's gone. You lose one Boise State Bronco, you bring in another. Uh, so you've got CeeDee Lamb, Michael Gallup. Yes, he brought in James Washington. You know, and really he needed a change of scenery leaving Pittsburgh. But man, I think you bring in Khalil Shakir. He instantly becomes that number three receiver for Dak Prescott. I think it makes a lot of sense. Is it a year or a round too early? Look, Amon Ross A. Brown came off the board in round four. I think everyone was surprised. Could we see Shakir come off the board in round four? Sure. But I think with the the depth of this class, you know, I think we're gonna end up seeing guys targeted a little bit earlier. And so I think Clear Shakir comes off the board in round number three. Continuing in round three, I mean, this is crazy. Another receiver uh, in, in round number three, and this is David Bell out of Purdue. 6'1", 212 pounds. Uh, another guy, he wasn't overly fast at the combine, you know, in terms of the, the, the you know, ran a 4.65, so not very, uh, not very explosive. Um, but this guy is exceptional with his route running, the intermediate routes, tremendous hands, tremendous body control, fights through contact. I think that's another thing that, you know, a hallmark of his. Thousand-yard season as a freshman there. Then he has the, the, the COVID-shortened season, but then comes back with another 1,000-yard season, 93 catches, 1,286 yards, and six touchdowns. Develops some chemistry there with Aiden O'Connell, the quarterback, a guy that we could be talking about next year's draft. 6-1-2-12, like I said, I, I look at him. I think Jacksonville can make some sense, especially if he ends up falling to round number four. Um, but I think if he stays in round three, then I'm looking at Detroit. And the reason why I think you know he'd be a good fit in Detroit, you know, he, he brings some of that physicality and toughness. You've got DJ Chark, you've got Amon Ross St. Brown, uh, Josh Reynolds, Khalif, uh, Khalif Raymond. I, I think this is just another guy that just fits Dan Campbell's personality. I think it would make a lot of sense locking up David Bell there at the end of round number three. And one final guy in round number three, and that's going to be Alec Pierce. And you know, I'm glad that Alec Pierce stayed healthy this year and got to showcase truly the type of receiver that he is. He's 6'3", 211 pounds, and uh, I've got San Francisco there at 105 uh, taking him, but we're going to talk about Alex Pierce uh, Alec Pierce here real quick uh, before we talk about why he's a fit for San Francisco. Ran a 4'4", 140 at the Combine, 40.5-inch vertical leap, and that's one of the things that you definitely saw with him and, and Desmond Ritter. The, the deep ball ability, his, his ability to stretch the, stretch the field, red zone option as well, being able to elevate and attack the football. I want to see a little bit more in the route tree. You know, I think because he was just running really one type of route a lot of times there for, for Cincinnati. But uh, dude is, is absolutely explosive. 17 and a half yards per catch in his career uh, there for the Bearcats. And reason why I'm looking at San Francisco, obviously you've got Debo Samuel uh, you know, and Debo put the contract talks on, on halt. Uh, but I think ultimately that does get done. You've got Samuel, you've got Ayuk, uh, but you know Debo, he'll attack attack you in a multitude of uh, of different ways. But if you're able to put in Alec Pierce, the guy that's going to be able to stretch you vertically, I think that opens up the game for Samuel Ayuk and George Kittle. You know, attacking the middle of the field, and this is a guy that can end up obviously being another red zone weapon with Debo Samuel gives you just more versatility and more options in the passing game not to mention you have Elijah Mitchell there at the running back spot so I think at the end of round number three look San Francisco I think they do need a receiver but they can wait and get a guy there at the at the end of day two and be super happy and look you know they've had really good success taking receivers on day two they could do that one more time Round number four. Now we're getting into day three. Now we're going to be seeing some of these receivers that um, 
may not necessarily have made that impact at their school, but guys who I think will be able to transition to the next level and be productive. In round four, actually my first receiver coming off the board. If you just looked at his numbers there at UCLA, uh, you know you wouldn't be all that impressed. But Kyle Phillips, 5'11", 198 pounds. This was a dude in the All-Star games. Guys just couldn't cover him. And he's one of those guys that reminds me a little bit of Cooper Cup in, in the way that he runs his routes. Look, 5'8", you know, 4'5", 8'40", but... He's sudden off the line. He knows how to set you up with his route running. This is a guy who's going to end up being a number three wideout at the next level for a long time. And look, you know, he had 59 catches, 739 yards, but he had 10 touchdowns. So a guy that definitely has a nose for the end zone. And I'm looking at Baltimore. You know, I had him going to Cleveland at one point. Uh, you know, there are a few other teams that I had him tar- you know, targeting for him. But you know, when I look at Baltimore and I look at their their receiving core. You know, they've got Rashad Bateman and uh, Marquise Brown. We know that Sammy Sammy Watkins is gone. But then you've got Tylen Wallace, Miles Boykin, Devin Duvernay. You know, you're waiting for some of these guys to really step up. James Prochet is on the roster as well. Uh, but I, I think you get this you know, th- th- this guy who's going to come in and be a possession receiver there for uh, Lamar Jackson. I think he's going to end up turning into one of his favorite targets. And uh, you know they're not going to be able to get him off the field. Um, so I, I like you know Kyle Phillips there in round number four and uh, you know coming off the board 119 overall. Continuing in round number four, um, Tennessee sitting there at 131 overall, and I think Tennessee is going to have to target at least one wideout. Um, you know, obviously the Julio Jones experiment did not work in Tennessee. You got AJ Brown, you know, you have Nick Westbrook, um, but you know a lot of question marks after that. And I'm looking at Romeo Dubs there out of uh, Nevada as a guy that I think could come in here and uh, and really challenge for potentially even a starting spot at some point. 6'2", 201, uh, has you know 10-inch hands, so some big hands there as well. Back-to-back 1,000-yard season and 20 touchdowns over the last two years as well. Catching passes from, from Carson Strong in that trio along with tight end Cole Tur- uh, uh, Turner, who we'll be talking about here in just a little bit. Um, but Dubs, a guy that can you know make plays down the field, uh, good route runner, uh, tracks the ball really well, makes some, you know some nice catches over the shoulder as well. Can be that deep threat. So I, I think he fits with, with what Tennessee wants to do offensively. So I think that makes a lot of sense there. And then Justin Ross. This guy was was someone that we were talking about at one point as a first round pick. Then obviously everyone knows about the the neck injury. And uh, he's battled his way back. You know, he, he still looked like he needed a little bit more, uh, you know, more time to develop. Uh, but look, you know, 6'4", 205. I, I look at him. He could still be a very good possession receiver. Uh, you know, he's not all the way back from, from the injury, I don't think. But, uh, you know, when I look at, at him, I, I don't think he's getting out of the fourth round. This is a guy who's just an intelligent receiver. And uh, Pittsburgh sitting there at 138 overall, one of those compensatory picks. And uh, when you look at Pittsburgh's receiving core, you have Chase Claypool and Deontay Johnson, obviously. But Juju Smith-Schuster, James Washington, Ray Ray McLeod, all gone. So you're going to have to replace those guys. And when I look at Justin Ross, I think he could be a guy that can come in there and, and play a role similar to uh, you know, what Juju Smith-Schuster was bringing to, to the table. If he can show what he looked like as a freshman, he was one of the, the freak athletes as a true freshman. And I'm really hoping that he can return to some of that form because, man, he just... 
he looked like a guy who was destined to be one of the first receivers taken uh, in, in this year's draft uh, before, obviously, the injuries. Round number five, Bo Melton out of Rutgers, uh, I think ultimately is going to come off the board in round number five. 5'11", 189 pounds. This is a guy who I think is going to be another slot weapon. Um, you know, Teams that are going to be looking for slot receivers. Look, this guy's really shifty. 4'3", 4'40", 38-inch vertical leap. Good footwork on his release. Um, you know, and I wrote here, day three receiver. Um, he's absolutely going to be that. And I'm looking at you, New York Jets. Because, you know, hear me out here. I know they've got a lot of receivers. you got Corey Davis. You've got Elijah Moore. Uh, we don't know what's happening with Denzel Mims, but you know Jamison Crowder's gone. Keelan Cole's gone. You have Braxton Berrios. You get either Drake London or uh, Garrett Wilson in uh, possibly even Jamison Williams. All right, I'm not going to rule it out, but you get them in round number one. Then in round five, you get another receiver. So then you're talking about, let's say it's Drake London. So you've got London, Davis, Moore, Berrios, and now you're putting in uh, one final receiver, and that's going to be Bo Melton as kind of that slot guy and another speedster. Uh, you just need to get more weapons for uh, Zach Wilson. I think Bo Melton will be one of those guys. Speaking of speedsters, I think you know who I'm going to say. Uh, Taekwon Thornton there out of Baylor. 6'2", 181, but runs that 42840. Good Lord. You want to talk about some speed. 36 and a half inch vertical leap, so he's got some definite explosiveness to him. 62 catches, 948 yards, 10 touchdowns. And look, Baylor, you know, they, they had Jerry Bohannon throwing the football there. No, you know, uh, no slight to him, but you know, he wasn't catching passes from a, a quarterback in the SEC or or the Big Ten. You know, this is a guy that was catching passes from from a, a quarterback who's not gonna be um, you know, considered in the first two days of of, of a draft, and so I, I think his best days could very well be ahead of him. You know, this is a guy who's going to be your vertical threat. He's absolutely explosive and can take the top off of a defense. The Chargers are sitting there at 160 overall. They could very well go with the receiver earlier. And uh, obviously, you're going to say, well, why is that when they re-signed Mike Williams and they have Keenan Allen? I like Jay- what uh, Jalen Guyton did. Josh Palmer's on the roster as well. But if you can get some more speed vertically for Justin Herbert, aren't you going to listen? I mean, you're absolutely going to target a guy at some point um, if they can run that fast. And so I think Bo Melton would also be a nice selection there. But I think Tyquan Thornton, when you know you're talking about a receiver who's six two and runs a four two eight forty, you're obviously going to be a guy that's going to be targeted. Um, you know, I think day day three. Uh, feels like a right spot there, and, and round number five, um, going to the Chargers. Staying in round five, one more receiver. How about Danny Gray out of SMU? A guy that could fall into you know that that sixth round uh, consideration, but this is another track guy. You know, another guy who is exceptionally fast. Um, you know, and, and I look at Dallas. You know, as a, they could potentially go double up at, at the receiver position. And when you talk about Dallas and their receivers, you know, again, Lamb, Gallup. You know, they bring in James Washington, and uh, you know if they they went with a receiver earlier in Khalil Shakir, they get one more receiver out of it, and uh, they get Danny Gray, who's a speedster, who's going to be able to stretch defenses down the field. I also had him potentially going to New, uh, New England. They need a vertical threat in the passing game for sure. Uh, Danny Gray, look, you, you had. 
Reggie Roberson, who's more of a guy that can attack uh, defenses underneath. And then you had Danny Gray, who could really take the top off of the defense, running that 4-3, 340 uh, at the combine. A guy who's a you know, sub-10, 600-meter guy as well. Um, so anytime you can get a track athlete um, you know, in the middle of day number three, you're definitely going to be, be pretty happy with yourself if you're able to do that. Now, round six, you know, there, there are some guys that I'm looking at here. I, I've got seven receivers coming off the board in round six, um, which really, when you think about it, isn't unheard of. We had seven receivers go off the board in round two in both the 2019 and 2020 draft. We also saw eight receivers come off the board in round three in 2017 and in, in uh, round six in 2018 and eight receivers come off the board in round five in 2020. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that we could see seven come off the board in round six. Eric Azukama is is one of my favorite receivers, um, you know, because I think he's a guy that's flying under the radar. He's 6'2", 209. Um, you know, he, he's a bigger guy, really grew into his body. Um, you know, he has that speed, can run uh, right around that 4'5 range. And, uh, you know, I love the fact that he uses that big body to his advantage. Um, I think the Bears, again, I think this is a team that could double up on, on that receiver core. And, uh, you know, when we talk about Chicago, when we talk about that receiving core, um, you know, you've got Byron Pringle and uh, Equinemia St. Brown, who you brought in in free agency. You've got Darnell Mooney as well as a nice uh, nice player. And, and Daz Newsom is a rookie that's coming along. When you lose Allen Robinson, you lose your number one. And so I think they they target a receiver early, uh, potentially George Pickens. You know I think that would make a lot of sense for them. Possibly even uh, Christian Watson. Uh, you know that would also make some sense there in round number two. But then I think you double up and get another receiver uh, to really help things out there. And uh, you know I think Azukama giving that size would make a lot of sense. Sticking with the bigger receivers. How about Ontario Drummond? He's 6'1", 215. Yeah, he ran that 4'6", 540 at the Combine. But this is a dude who has a load to bring down after the catch. Very physical, a guy that attacks the middle of the field. Fearless receiver. And I look at the 49ers, and if they end up targeting another receiver, um, this is a guy who's, you know, look, he can take some of the pressure off of Debo Samuel, so I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, a guy who's just, he's going to continue to fight for the football. And... Uh, you know the Niners. Do they need multiple receivers in this draft? Probably not. Um, you know, I, I need to possibly reassess things there. I think the Jaguars would make a lot of sense. Uh, possibly even Washington. Washington need, needs to double up on receivers in this draft, I think. And so, uh, you know, making a play there for Ontario Drummond could make some sense in round number uh, round number six. Uh, moving on, how about Javon Hiley? You know, out of uh, Coastal Carolina, guy who wasn't invited to the combine, uh, but. Really a nice player. He's 6'2", 200 pounds, uh, a guy who always seemed to to be making plays there down the football field for uh, for Coastal Carolina, a guy that I definitely was always keeping an eye on. Um, and you know, with Grayson McCall, a guy who's going to be a, uh, a quarterback that we're going to be talking about in next year's draft class. Um, I think Javon Hiley, you know, a guy that – Definitely attack the football at its highest point. Look, 66 catches, over 1,100 yards, 17.1 yards per reception, and seven touchdowns. Has scored 22 touchdowns in his career. 
over 2,800 yards. Uh, this is a guy for me, uh, round six, I think actually makes some sense. He could fall to round number seven, but round six, um, you know, as teams are, are looking for receivers, I think the Saints could potentially double up on that receiver position. We talked about them earlier. But when you look at it, you've got Michael Thomas, uh, you know, Traquan Smith, Kenny Stills, you know, free agents. You've got Marcus Call uh, Callaway, Deontay Hardy's on the roster, a little, uh, little Jordan Humphrey. But I, I think you got to go with a guy like Chris Olave. You get some speed there uh, in round number one. And then in round number six, you can target a guy like Hiley, a guy that's going to be more of a possession receiver, but a guy that has that size and can attack the football when it's in the air. Uh, another savvy receiver and a guy that wasn't invited to the combine, but like I said, the savviness, the ability to attack the football, excellent route runner. I'm talking about Emeka Emezi out of NC State, 6'2", six, six two, uh, 212 pounds. Um, Houston needs receivers. You know, I mentioned that earlier, so I, I think they're going to end up doubling up at the receiver position. And when you look at Emeka Emezi, you know, he reminds me a lot of Jacoby Myers, another guy that's coming out of NC State. And uh, 60 catches, over 800 yards, six touchdowns, has 19 touchdowns in his career. The guy that just does a lot of the little things and, you know, such an intelligent receiver. You know, he could end up potentially getting drafted a little bit higher, but I think sixth round just feels feels right to me. Uh, another guy that could get drafted higher is is Kevin Austin out of Notre Dame. 6'2", 200, uh, ran a 439 40, a 39-inch vertical leap. You know, but this was a guy who missed all of 2019 for violating team rules, had two left foot surgeries, so he missed most of 2020. So, you know, obviously some of the off-field issues and the medical red flags are, are things that I think will push him down. A lot of people have him coming off the board early day three in that fourth round range. I just think there's a little bit too too many question marks here. But look, 48 catches, 888 yards, seven touchdowns, 18.5 yards per catch in 2021. And so even though he only played in five games for uh, the Irish in 2018 and 2020, you know, you're still talking about a guy who had an 18.4 yard per catch average in his career for the Fighting Irish. Um, and so when you talk about him, he's definitely going to be uh, a bigger receiver who can stretch the field. And Pittsburgh, you know, I've already mentioned them earlier. They could potentially double up on receivers because of all those wideouts that they lost to free agency. So moving from Kevin Austin to Tay Martin out of Oklahoma State, 6'3", 186 pounds. And the thing that I really like about Tay Martin is, you know, this is a guy who started his career at... Um, Washington State, right? And he moves to Oklahoma State, and the dude just continues to play. You know, continues to work hard. Uh, 80 catches, over a thousand yards, 10 touchdowns. The guy that can work down the field, uh, tracks the ball really well. Um, you know, he's he's lanky and, and a guy who has some deceptive speed to him. And so when I look at, at Tay Martin, where he fits in the draft, I think the LA Rams. You know, sitting there at uh, you know 212 overall, uh, one of those compensatory picks there in round number six. When you look at the Rams' receiving core, you know, you're talking about Cooper Cup, obviously, as your number one. Allen Robinson is there as your number two. Is Odell Beckham Jr. going to be re-signed or not? Um, but then there's Van Jefferson, and then there's some question marks after that. Is Tutu Atwell ever going to emerge? Ben Skoranek got a chance and, and just, you know, I think he dropped the ball, um, you know, literally uh, in the playoffs, hit the ball right in his hands. Um, you know, 
Brandon Powell is more of a special teams guy. So I think you need to continue to look for other receivers. And so I think this does make some sense for them uh, towards the end of round number six. And then my last receiver coming off the board in round number six is Valus Jones Jr. out of Tennessee. A lot of people have him coming off the board as high as round number three. I'm just not uh, as big a fan of Valus Jones Jr. He's six foot 204. A lot of people say, well, it's because of the returnability. And, and I get that. But he's also very herky-jerky with, with his routes uh, when you watch him run. And uh, this is a guy when you're, you're expecting to see a little bit more out of him as a receiver, right? Um, you know, prior to this season, look, at, at USC, just 36 catches, 347 yards, and a touchdown. Played there his, his first four seasons. And, um, you know, his biggest year was in, in 2018 as a sophomore, 24 catches, 266 yards, and, and a score. Uh, moves to Tennessee. Um you know, in 2020, as, as a grad transfer, gets another year out of it in 2021 and uh, made the most of it there. 62 catches, 807 yards, and seven touchdowns. But really, it is going to be the returnability with him uh, because he does have that speed, has two kickoff returns for touchdown, average 24.4 yards per kick return, and uh, 15.1 yards per uh, per punt return uh, there for, for the Vols in, in 2021. Uh, so I, I think... You know, you're t- basically drafting a specialist, and I, I don't know that you necessarily want to take a guy um, that early. I think round six to me actually makes a lot of sense. Four, three, one. Um, I just don't know how much you're going to get from him in terms of productivity as a receiver. And it's like I look at the Rams, and you look at Brandon Powell, rec- you know, returner, a guy that was able to to make an impact as a return man. But he's not much of a receiving threat. So that's where really why I've got Bayless Jones penciled in where I have him. And I'm looking at Arizona. I think the Cardinals, you know, they have DeAndre Hopkins and Rondell Moore. Uh, Greg Dortch is on the roster as well. Um, but I think, you know, adding some of that returnability there, you know, it means that some of these other receivers aren't going to necessarily have to drop back. Um, and, and I think Bayless Jones will be a guy that can end up being a, a kick returner, punt returner there um, for the Arizona Cardinals. Which takes us to round number seven. And I've got another five guys coming off the boards here. So if you're doing the, the, the math at home, six in round one, four in round two, six in round three. Three in both the fourth and fifth rounds, seven in round six, and five in round number seven for a total of 34 receivers taken, which would be the exact same number of receivers that were taken in 2021. And uh, in round number seven, I'm looking at Jalen Naylor out of Michigan State and uh, ran a 4.540 at the combine, 5'11, 186 pounds. But this is a guy, uh, you know, in the last two years, 19.2 yards per reception and 10 touchdowns for Sparty. Um, and so when I look at, at Jalen Naylor and I'm, I'm trying to figure out where he makes sense coming off the board, um, I, I think I look at Jacksonville as one of those teams that could use his his ability to, to make plays down the football field. We haven't talked about their receiving core. They've got Zay Jones and Marvin Jones and, uh, you know, Jones and Jones. Uh, and obviously Christian Kirk broke the bank with that $18 uh, million per year contract. Uh, LaVisca Chenault there as well. Then you get a guy that can stretch the defense a little bit and make plays down the football field in Jalen Naylor. Uh, Josh Johnson is another receiver that I'm looking at in round number seven, the guy out of Tulsa. And Josh Johnson, have him penciled in right now, coming off the board. Uh, let's see, going to Kansas City. 
And, and when I talk about Kansas City, you know, I, I think obviously they're going to double up on that receiver position. Could potentially triple up. Um, when you're looking at them, they've got you know they lost Hill, they lost Pringle. You know they've got Miko Hardman, Marquez Valdez Scantling, Juju Smith Schuster. I think you add a little bit of youth to that receiving core. And with Josh Johnson, this is a guy um, who is uh, again 5'8", 183. Uh, transfer from Iowa State, thousand-yard receiver uh, for the the Hurricanes. Um, you know, and, and a guy that I think could could end up making making the roster when it's all said and done. How about Charleston Rambo? They're out of Miami. The OU transfer uh, coming off the board in round number seven. Uh, when you talk about K- uh, Charleston Rambo, you know, I, I thought he, he struggled there with the Sooners. You know, they were supposed to be a breakout receiver and really struggled. Transfers to Miami, and he, he really started to progress as a wideout. Uh, ran that four five seven forty, but in my uh, in his senior season, seventy nine catches, over eleven hundred yards, and seven touchdowns. Um, and, and with Charleston Rambo, a guy um, who can be a, a a vertical threat. You know, I think he's he's a little slight, so he gets rerouted. Green Bay is going to need additional wideouts, so sitting there at number two fifty eight overall, you can grab a receiver late in the draft. And really, what's it going to hurt you? It's really not. Um, you know, I actually have KC doubling up on receivers uh, at 259 overall by taking Isaiah Weston out of Northern Iowa. Uh, 6'3", 214 pounds, one of the more impressive athletes coming out of um, the FCS level. Ran a 4'4", 240, 40-inch vertical leap, um, you know, ripped out 225, 20 times. Um, and when you look at his numbers, you know, it, you know, obviously 37 catches, 883 yards, which is 23.9 yards per catch. Uh, in 2019, that was really his big year. 43 catches, over 1,000 yards, 24.5 yards per catch, and, and 10 touchdowns. This is a guy at 6'3", 214, running a 4'4", 240. I've got him coming off the board in round seven. He may actually surprise and move up draft boards because guys that big should not be moving that fast. Um how about Jarris Stearns out of Western Kentucky? 5'9", a buck 85, a buck 95 uh, potentially. And you know, when I look at him, I mentioned the Chargers earlier. I think this is a guy that could be a weapon in the slot. And look, he was Bailey Zappi's target at Houston Baptist. They moved together to Western Kentucky. And look, at Western Kentucky, the dude caught 150 balls. I mean, can you imagine that? 150 catches from Bailey Zappi. 1,902 yards, 17 touchdowns. The dude just seems to always get open. I would have loved to have seen him show up there at the Combine and show what he could do. Um, but definitely a guy who I think is deserving of a roster spot. And a guy, he, he feels like a Bill Belichick guy too. I, I say that a lot about some of these guys. But, you know, he, he's one of those guys that I think could fill that role that uh, Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman played. Uh, but I've got him coming off the board to the Chargers. Look, uh, you know, another slot weapon there for uh, Justin Herbert. And then coming off the board at the end of the draft, Ty Freifogel coming you know, as Mr. Irrelevant, number 262 overall to the Niners, 6'1", 204. And look, Ty Freifogel, you know, it's a curious case of, of Ty Freifogel. Um, you know, 6'1", 204, ran a 4'5", 340 at the combine, 39-inch vertical leap. And it's really a tale of two seasons, right? 37 catches, 721 yards, at 19.5 yards per catch, and seven touchdowns in the COVID-shortened season. There's a three-game stretch where he just was dominant, looked like the best receiver in all of college football. 
Seven catches, 142 yards and a score against Michigan. 11 catches for 200 yards and two scores against Michigan State. And then seven catches for 218 yards and three touchdowns and a losing effort against Ohio State. Just, I mean, absolutely ridiculous. So when you're scoring at home with that, the average per per catch, 20.3 against Michigan, 18.2 against MSU, and then 31.1 against the Buckeyes. You know, just absolutely dominant performances. Then 2021 hits. Obviously, Michael Penix Jr. battled injuries. Quarterback play there with, with Jack Tuttle really struggled. Just 46 catches, 512 yards, and a score. Teams really honed in and kind of took him away. Didn't have another receiver on the opposite side that could really take the pressure off of him. So I think he's a guy that um, you know, people are wondering which receiver you're going to get. I, I think this is a guy who's going to surprise at the next level. I think he's a really good athlete and a guy, um, if he can return to that form from 2020, um, I, I think teams will really be happy with what they're getting there. So then that takes us to the tight end position. And obviously, when we talk about tight ends, um, we, we've seen at least one tight end come off the board in the last five years, um, with the exception of 2020. Um, the, the average, you know, we've seen anywhere from 12 to, to 16 tight ends come off the board um, over the last five seasons. That's averaging right around about 13.8. So, you know, talking about right around 14 tight ends. And I mentioned 15 uh, coming off the board with this draft class. And uh, I just I don't have anybody coming off the board in round number one. I think Trey McBride is the closest, and, and there's a chance that we could see Trey McBride come off the board in round one, but I'm not holding my breath there. I think there are a lot of other positions that really right now are, are deeper um, that, that could end up pushing him down. And I, when I look at him, I look at Trey McBride, I think uh, you know Washington could definitely target him, but I'm looking at Green Bay sitting there at number 59 overall. They need another tight end. They've got uh, Robert Tanya in there, but Mercedes Lewis definitely getting old in the tooth. You get a guy who's going to be that pass catcher for you down the football field. 6'4", 246 uh, pounds, ran in the four fives at his pro day there at Colorado State. And look, his senior season, he was the offense for the Rams. 90 catches, 1,121 yards, and a score. Excellent hands. You know, a guy that um, you know, was a go-to weapon, does a great job shielding defenders from the football, a guy that can attack the seam, a guy that's really a good route runner, knows how to, to separate from guys at the last minute, make catches, um, and a really sound blocker. He's the most complete tight end in this draft, and he's right now the only tight end I have coming off the board in round number two. Round number three, I've got three, three tight ends taken here, and, and so I'm looking at Greg Dulcich as my number one uh, tight end to come off the board in round number three. And so I think the, the Giants are a team that uh, I could definitely see targeting Dulcich at number 81 overall, the pick that they got from the Dolphins. Um, when I look at the Giants and, and the tight end group, obviously we know that Evan Ingram is gone. Um, he, he's moved on. Uh, they bring in Ricky Seals-Jones, but they need a receiver that's going to be uh, a weapon. And, and look, Dulcich is a converted wide receiver, ran a 4.6940. He basically did every single drill that you could do at the combine. 42 catches, 725 yards, five touchdowns this past season. And look, he's a weapon, a guy that's going to stretch the defenses. He's a willing blocker, needs to improve. And I think you saw that, you know, as he moved um, into 2021, much better blocker than he was in 2020. Um, so I, I think if I'm the Giants, I, I look hard at him in round number three. Uh, Isaiah Likely out of Coastal Carolina, another 
tight end that I'm a really big fan of. And, uh, you know, I'm looking at Tampa sitting there at number nine, 91 overall, likely 6'4", 245 pounds out of Coastal Carolina. And, uh, you know, with the Bucks, Gronkowski, you know, I, I think Gronk likely comes back to play with, with Tom Brady, but you lose O.J. Howard. You've got Cameron Brait there. This is going to be another guy that's going to be able to stretch defenses for Tom Brady uh, and really whoever's going to be playing quarterback once Brady finally decides it's time to hang it up for good. Uh, but likely, dude, um, speedster extraordinaire. You know What I was so impressive about him in 2020, he was battling this ankle injury. And it was like the Chanticleers tried to get him the football early in games before that ankle would really bother him. Still ended up with 30 catches, 601 yards. That's 20.5 yards per reception and five touchdowns. 2021, he was the guy that was flying under the radar. And then that 99-yard reception for a touchdown against Arkansas State really put him on the map uh, on a national level. 59 catches, 912 yards, 12 touchdowns. He's going to be a guy that you're going to be putting out, uh, you know, and and put in the slot, and going to be a vertical weapon. And uh, I think Tampa that just be another nice weapon in their arsenal. Um, Jeremy Ruckert is the other tight end that I have coming off the board in round number three, six five, two hundred fifty pounds. Um, look, you know, only fifty four catches, six hundred fifteen yards, and twelve touchdowns in his career for the Buckeyes, but he really wasn't asked to be a, a receiver down the field, uh, you know, a guy that could be a, a red zone option, but we didn't really see the hands a whole lot because he really didn't need to. But you've got Smith and Jigba, and you've got uh, Olave, and you've got Garrett Wilson there. Uh, you really don't need the tight end to make a ton of plays. But if you go back and you watch some of his high school film, especially at a lot of the camps, this dude has some crazy athleticism, um, some excellent hands, and you know when I talk about you know Jeremy Ruckert, I, I look at the, the New Orleans Saints, and you got to pick at number 98 overall. And I, I think this really makes a lot of sense. They've got uh, you know, Adam Troutman on the roster, uh, Nick Vanette, um, but they, they need to get a guy that's going to be a pass catcher for Jameis Winston or whoever else is going to be under center there uh, for the Saints. And uh, you know this is a guy who I think could end up surprising people, turning heads because. People, you know, people say that he's more of a blocking tight end. He just wasn't asked to be the receiver. He's a much better receiver than really people give him credit for. So I think he'll be a guy that's going to be turning heads there at the next level. Round number four, I've got five tight ends coming off the board, and I'm looking at Kate Otten out of out of Washington coming uh, off the board first in round four. And uh, you know, this is a guy I think is is one of the more versatile tight ends. Really a good blocker, a guy that can get down the field. 6'5", 247, battled some injuries. You know, but I'm looking at the Denver Broncos. Denver, Bron- Denver Broncos have to get a tight end in this draft, I believe. Um, obviously, they lose Noah Fant in the trade to get Russell Wilson. You got Albert uh, Albert O, Albert O. You got Eric Tomlinson on the roster, but I think you need to get another tight end. And uh, you know, I think this makes a lot of sense. Uh, landing Kate Otten, Charlie Kolar, big dude. Uh, you know, played basketball with with Trey Young at uh, Norman North High School there in. Uh, in Norman, Oklahoma, and uh, Kolar, I think he fits well with the Cowboys. 6'6", 252, big body, a guy that can 
You know, he's surprisingly athletic for a guy his size. You know, he moves really well. You know, the basketball player has you know 34 and a half inch arms, so he's got you know incredible reach as well. Um, three straight seasons with at least 590 yards. Um, you know, 23 touchdowns in his career this past season. 62 catches, 756 yards, six touchdowns. Pretty physical blocker as well. Um, I think he's a better athlete than people give him credit for. And when you're looking at Dallas, obviously you've got uh, the Dalton Schultz as their, their starter there at the position. But after that, Jeremy Sprinkle, Sean McCown, Ian, Ian Bunting don't get you all excited. Um, you know, they've got Blake Jarwin still on the roster as well. Um, you know, so I think Schultz, Jarwin, and uh, if you add in Kolar to the group, I think that really solidifies the unit for Dak Prescott and, and company. Um, how about Chigosium Okonkwo or Chig Okonkwo? Um, I had him going to Jacksonville at one point. Um, you know, it just seemed to really fit well um, with what Jacksonville wants to do offensively. But I ultimately had Chick going to Kansas City at 135 overall. And I think when you look at that, you need a tight end who's going to push Noah Gray for playing time behind uh, uh, Travis Kelsey. And what I love about uh, Okonkwo, he's 6'2", 238, so he's not the biggest guy. So you know, he's a guy that could potentially play the H-back spot, um, but he has that speed, man. 4'5", If you're going to be an undersized tight end, you better run fast, and this guy absolutely does that. This past season, 52 catches, 447 yards, five scores. Uh, I think he'll be one of the more underrated guys flying under the radar. KC picks him up, gets another weapon for Patrick Mahomes. Staying in round four, I mentioned that we had five tight ends coming off the board here. I'm looking at Jelani Woods out of Virginia. 6'7", 259, um, you know, a guy needs to improve his hand work, definitely, but a guy that I think really improved his draft stock with his showing at the All-Star Games, ran a 4'6", as well, um, but he just, he needs to cut down on the drops, that's really going to be the biggest thing um, for him and why he's not coming off the board any sooner, but uh, if you're looking at Cincinnati, they signed Hayden Hurst, uh, they've got Drew Sample on the roster as well. But, but, you know, when you lose, you know, C.J. Uzoma, that's really what, what hurts uh, with that passing attack for Joe Burrow. They need to get another tight end in there. And, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, if Jelani Woods can put it all together, he could be a guy that's going to end up being a better pro than he was a, a collegiate player. Um, you know, a guy that transferred from Oklahoma State to Virginia and uh, really had his best season there in his senior season, which is probably the best time to have your best season. You know, frank, quite frankly. But uh, 143 overall, Tennessee Titans, they need a tight end desperately, don't they? I mean, they, they, they ever since they lost Johnny Smith, they've been looking for tight ends. You know, you've got Anthony Ferkser, Michael Pruitt, Ryan Izzo, you, you know, entering the uh, offseason. All of those guys were free agents. Um, and so I think Tennessee, they're going to continue to look for um, – you know, for, for additional weapons for Ryan Tannehill or whoever is playing quarterback. Um, you know, I talked about Desmond Ritter potentially being an option there for the Tennessee Titans as well. Um, they did bring in Austin Hooper finally um, to kind of address that, uh, that uh, tight end group. But, you know, they, they shouldn't be done. They shouldn't be satisfied with Austin Hooper, Jeff Swain, and uh, it looks like Ryan Izzo did resign as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I wouldn't be satisfied with that group. I, th I think they do need to get another tight end. And I'm looking at uh, a guy by the name of, of Jake Ferguson at, at a tight end. Uh, or, I'm sorry, out of Wisconsin. Uh, plays tight end. 6'3", 
250. Ran a 48140, which is a little disappointing, but this dude has Velcro for hands. You know, he was such a reliable target there for the Badgers. He's the grandson of uh, you know legendary Badgers coach Barry Alvarez. And uh, when I look at, at Ferguson, you know, he, he's really a good blocker, which is what's you know the Badger tight ends are known for. Um, but again, a guy who can attack the field down the football field, a guy that's going to attack the middle of the field. Um, you know, 46 catches, 450 yards, three touchdowns this past season. You know, a guy who has 145 catches in his career. Um, one of the primary weapons in Wisconsin's passing attack. And uh, I, I think Tennessee, that'd be a you know smart there at the end of round number four. Moving into round five, I just have one tight end coming off the board, and this is my sleeper. My sleeper at tight end, and I'm looking at Daniel Bellinger out of out of San Jose State. I know we've talked about Foster Moreau. We've talked about you know, who's going to be that guy who's going to emerge at that tight end position. 6'5", 253. I'm looking at Indy, and obviously we know that Jack Doyle retired, so you're going to have to find another tight end to play there with Mo Alley-Cox. They do have uh, Kylan Granson on the roster. But uh, what you have with Daniel Bellinger, he's known as a blocker. Because really, when San Diego State ran that offense, it was more about the physicality and the running game more than anything else. But look, you know, he put up 225, 22 times, ran a 4.6340 at the combine, 31 catches, 357 yards, two touchdowns. When you watched him work out, you watched the ease with, you know, with his route running, you watch the ease with him catching the football. This is a guy to me that's flying under the radar. And, you know, I think teams on day three, a lot of times, are going to be looking to target the next, you know, George Kittle. Where can I find the next George Kittle? You know, a guy who really wasn't utilized at uh, at the collegiate level, but a guy who was able to turn it on in, uh, in the pros. And obviously... George Kittle, the freak athlete that he was coming out of Iowa. I'm not saying that this guy is going to be anywhere near George Kittle, but look, Kittle, 6'3", 247, um, ran a 4'5", 240, 35-inch um, vertical leap, um, you know, and, and Daniel Bellinger, 34.5, um, 18 reps in the bench press. Daniel actually had had a little bit there on him. Um, you look at the arm length, 33 and an eighth inch. I know a lot of people want to talk about that. He's not too far off from that, 32 and a half. Bigger hands than 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 uh, than Kittle, but where, where Kittle really has him is that 4.5240 uh, versus Bellinger with the 4.63. But you know, again, you're talking about a, a tenth of a second there. And when I look at, at Bellinger, you know, he could be that guy. You know. I, Am I saying that he's going to be? Am I saying he's going to be the next George Kittle? No. But I think this is a guy who's flying under the radar. I've just seen some signs out of him that just make me think that, hey, Daniel Bellinger, there, there's a shot that this guy could end up uh, being a more productive pro than he was in college. And, you know, I, I use George Kittle as the example because in his career, George Kittle caught just 48 passes, 737 yards, 10 touchdowns. The big key, though, and really what should have triggered everyone, 15.4 yards per reception. And I think that's really the, the telltale sign. Just 22 catches, 314 yards, and four touchdowns in his senior season there with the Hawkeyes. So, you know, there, there are a lot of similarities there. So, again, you're trying to kind of grasp at straws, but... I, I, still, I think Daniel Bellinger is going to be my sleeper. You know, I, I may get killed for that. I may think you know, people say that I'm crazy, but I don't know. I'll be curious to see how this pans out. Round number six, I don't have any tight ends coming off the board in round seven. 
um, you know, which ironically enough, we didn't have any in 2021 either. But I've got five coming off the board in round six. That's never happened in the last, well, at least not in the last uh, last five years. We did see five come off the board in the fifth round in 2017. But when I look at this draft class, I think, you know, you're talking about guys three, four, five, six. You know, those are the rounds that we're really going to see tight ends come off the board. I'm looking at Jacksonville at 180 overall at the top of round number six. Grant Calcaterra out of SMU. This is a guy who retired from the game uh, there at uh, at OU. Ultimately decides he's going to come back. Gets a clean bill of health. Plays with the Mustang. 6'4", 241, 46240. Uh, a guy who's a, a good vertical weapon. Still needs to work on the blocking ability. But, you know, Jacksonville, when you're looking at that tight end spot, I think they need to get some additional weapons, obviously, for Trevor Lawrence. You bring in Evan Ingram. You've got Dan Arnold on there. Get another weapon in that passing attack. Um, so I think there there is some makes some sense to go after and target uh, Grant Calcaterra. Uh, continuing at that tight end spot, my, uh, Minnesota Vikings need a need another tight end. Obviously, they're sitting there at 184 overall. And uh, when you're talking about Minnesota at tight end, um, what you got is is Irv, Irv Smith Jr. But then Tyler Conklin's gone. You know they do have Christopher Herndon on the roster, but I think you need to get another tight end. And uh, I'm looking at Cole Tucker there out of uh, Nevada as a, a guy. I think a lot of people were expecting more out of him. Um, you know, ran a 4.7640 at, at the combine, 6'6", 246, have 41 catches, 575 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, when you watch him block, you know there's a lot to be desired. You know he stands straight up and doesn't get a whole lot of movement. But he's going to be a wet, uh, really a, a red zone nightmare, and that's really where he's going to have his game. And, uh, you know, Cole Tucker as that number two tight end there for Minnesota, round number seven, I think is pretty good value if you can wait and get him there um, at the end of day number three. Um, then I think that's you know definitely a, a solid move there. I'm going to kind of go off the, off the reservation a little bit. You know, a couple of tight ends that weren't, uh, invited to the combine, but guys who I think uh, could end up making an impact. The first guy is going to end up being uh, Lucas Kroll, and uh, Lucas Kroll is is you know you'll know him when you see him because he's got the real long flowing locks. Um, definitely a tight end who's who's a lot of a uh, lot of excitement. Um, you know, and I've got him actually targeted in round number six and not round seven. Um, and I'm looking at Cleveland. I think they need to. Uh, Add another tight end there. Look, Kroll, 6'6", 260, uh, was a weapon there at Pittsburgh, uh, a guy that could uh, you know stretch uh, the, down the seam a little bit. And when I'm talking about Cleveland, you know they they don't have Austin Hooper anymore. They re-signed David Njoku. They've got Harrison Bryant. I think they need a third tight end, and this guy could definitely be that guy. Um, but Lucas Kroll, um, you know, look, he was one of those guys that when Kenny Pickett was in trouble. And he couldn't target Jordan Addison. You know, obviously there's Jared Wayne on the roster as well, but Lucas Kroll was definitely a guy that you're going to go after. Um, played his first couple of years here at Florida, uh, but 38 catches, 451 yards, six touchdowns, big body as well. Um, so I, I think, you know, could potentially be a round seven guy. Maybe round six is a, is a round early, but I still think Cleveland, um, they need to target one more tight end, and Lucas Kroll makes some sense to me. One name, if you're scoring at home, that I haven't mentioned yet, who at one point was thought to be the number one tight end in this draft class, Jalen Weidermeyer. Haven't mentioned his name yet. He's 6'5", 255, out of Texas A&M, a guy who was just a receiver that was a baller. 
uh, you know, a guy that can stretch defenses, um, you know, over 100 catches in his career in three years um, with the Aggies, just under 1,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, um, you know, a, a decent blocker. But I think what scares teams away are all the drops. Nine drops in one season. That's definitely going to scare you. Um, you know, and you know, doesn't have the speed that you'd like to see from, you know, some of these other guys were exhibiting a lot more speed than, than Weidermeyer. Um, you know, he, he didn't stand out at the combine either when you're watching a lot of these other guys work out. And so I think his draft stock's going to drop. And if you're talking about round number six, getting a tight end potentially of his caliber, especially with his pedigree there with the Aggies, a lot of the, the draft talk, the Chargers are going to need another tight end. You know, they did pick up uh, Gerald Everett. They've got Donald Parham on the roster. Jared Cook is gone. Trey McKitty is, is there. He's more of a blocker. You add another weapon there in the passing game. Jalen Weidermeyer could definitely surprise with that group. Um, and in round number six, you know, I, I think it's worth the risk to, to go ahead and jump on that. And then at 221 overall, San Francisco 49ers end up taking basically a legacy. Um, and Derek Deese Jr. Look, you know, Derek Deese's father... Uh, Derek Sr. played at USC, was uh, an offensive lineman there for the, the 49ers. Derek Dees Jr. played at San Jose State, stays in that Bay Area, 6'4", 204, uh, 253 pounds. A guy who played his uh, you know, community college ball at uh, Golden West College there in Orange County, ends up moving to uh, San Jose State, and, and a guy who was a weapon. You know, I thought he was decent as a blocker. Um, but really, he was known for his pass-catching prowess. Long-armed uh, receiver, 42 catches, 730 yards, and four touchdowns this past season. Really a guy that nobody's really been talking about at that tight end spot. But I think he's a guy that's going to end up coming off the board, potentially in round number six. And I mentioned no tight ends in round number seven. But I do have two fullback slash H-back slash potentially tight ends that are coming off the board in round seven that we have to talk about. The first one being Jeremiah Hall, 6'1", 239, out of Oklahoma. This dude did a little bit of everything for the Sooners. You know, he was a guy that could block for you, both as a lead blocker, as a fullback, and out there as a tight end. Was a weapon, stretching the field a little bit down, uh, up the seam. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at the Raiders at 227 overall, and, and I think that's potentially um, a, a good home for him. And look, they, they don't have Alec Ingold. He's gone off the roster. So when I'm looking at the Raiders and I'm, I'm thinking, you know, are they going to target a guy who could potentially fill that, that hole, fill that void? Uh, Jeremiah Hall could definitely be that guy. You know, he's very versatile. Um, I, I think he could end up um, overtaking Jacob Johnson and uh, uh, Sutton Smith there for the position. Uh, he was really one of the favorite targets whenever, um, you know, Spencer Rattler and uh, ultimately Caleb Williams got into trouble. They're going to look for Jeremiah Hall, and uh, I think that makes a lot of sense there in round number seven. And then obviously Connor Hayward. Um, I've got him coming off the board in round seven. I may end up trading places with, with him and Lucas Kroll. He may be a round six type of guy. Um, I think ultimately I moved him to round number seven. More so just he's not the biggest guy by any means. He's 5'11", 233. So is he a fullback? Is he a tight end? Is he an H-back? Really, where are you going to play him? Uh, but I'm looking at Houston at 245 overall. 
And uh, the reason why I, I think Houston may end up targeting him is, is when you look at their roster, um, they, they could use, you know, obviously, when you look at the tight ends, Pharaoh Brown, Brevin, Brevin Jordan, um, Anthony Eclair, Jordan Akins. Um, you look at the backfield, they could use a, a fullback in that group. It's really a loaded backfield, really a crowded backfield. Um, but what they don't have is that fullback or a, a guy that could be that H-back position. And uh, look, Lovey Smith is going in there to really change the culture. And we may end up seeing you know uh, that utilization of a fullback. Connor Hayward could end up being that guy. Look, you know, excellent bloodlines. You know, his brother Cameron there for for Pittsburgh. Um, so if, if that does happen, if we do have both of those guys getting drafted, and I think there's a, a, you know, a good possibility, then that would give us 17. I'm going to throw those guys in as tight ends because they did play some tight end um, for the Sooners and the Spartans, respectively. Um, and that would be 17, which, again, I said was the most since uh, you know, in the last five years. Um, and really, when I look at the, the tight end class, it's the most since 2015. Yeah, we had 19 tight ends come off the board. That was when uh, you know, Max Williams came off the board in round two. Then we saw you know a run in uh, really it was the fifth round that I think we saw the most tight ends. Uh, I think we had what we had five in round five, and no, it was, you know then there were another five in round six, and then you get to round number seven, and there were another four. Uh, this tight end class, there are other guys that are out there that could potentially get drafted. Tegan Catoriano, one of the better blockers, All-State in basketball as well, 6'5", 258. James Mitchell out of Virginia Tech, 6'4", 249. He's battled some injuries, um, so I think that's really the big concern. Season-ending knee injury in 2021, um, that's why I don't have him coming off the board there. Um, Chase Allen out of Iowa State, everyone talks about uh, you know Charlie Kolar, but Chase Allen, pretty good athlete in his own right, 6'6", 251. A lot of people love Austin Allen because of the, the tremendous size at 6'8", 253. A guy that, you know, you look at him, for a guy his size, 38 catches, 602 yards. That's nearly 16 yards per reception and a couple of scores for the Cornhuskers. Another guy who could potentially get drafted in this draft class. Um, you know, Peyton Hendershot is, is a tough dude. Um, I think he's likely a, a uh, priority free agent, though, in this draft class. So, we do have some tight ends that we can potentially see come off the board. You know, I've seen where you know everyone's talking about Armani Rogers there at, at Ohio. He's intriguing, and you know I, I don't say take that lightly. You know, he's 6'5", 225 pounds, played quarterback, started his career at UNLV, then uh, transferred to Ohio, and uh, you know a guy who I think you know I think he saw the handwriting on the wall. He wasn't going to be a quarterback at the next level, but look. He could potentially make that transition. I don't see him getting drafted. Although, you know, again, you can take him, you know, a lump of clay, of clay to be able to mold him into the type of player that you want. But I think he'd be a nice uh, priority free agent, a guy that you could put on your practice squad, kind of stow away until you can really build him into the type of player that you're looking for. Uh, 6'5", 225, he's probably going to need to bulk up, put some additional weight on him, and uh, potentially be a, a nice tight end. Look at what happened with Logan Thomas. You know, Armani Rogers, could he be the next Logan Thomas? It's entirely possible. Wouldn't put, you know, uh, wouldn't rule that out, you know, at all. Um, you know, we've seen stranger things happen. Um, you know, we've seen basketball players come out at, like, uh, you know, Antonio Gates and become an, an all pro and a future Hall of Famer. So, um, 
can't rule anything out. And uh, obviously, you know, look at Jordan Mailata. I mean, good lord, you know, a rugby player uh, decided to come in and play football, and now he's the starting left tackle for the Philadelphia Eagles. So, never say never. So that puts a, a wrap to the receivers and the tight ends. And I said six podcasts in six days, which means next podcast is tomorrow. And we're going to be talking about the offensive lines. We're going to talk about the tackles. And obviously, we're going to be talking about Ikki Aquanu and Evan Neal and Charles Cross, Trevor Penning. We're going to be talking about some other tackles as well. So those aren't going to be the only guys out there. We're going to be talking about your, uh, Daniel Fa'aleles. We're going to be talking about uh, you know Braxton Jones out of, out of Southern Utah and why you need to know that name as well. Abraham Lucas out of Washington State, um, you know one of the better right tackles in this, this draft class. We're also going to be talking about the guards. We know that Zion Johnson and Kenyon Coleman are the number one and number two guys, but we're going to see a lot of tackles that are going to be moving inside to guard. Uh, so your Sean Ryans, your, your Darian Kennards are guys that you have to uh, keep an eye out for. Jamari Sawyer out of Georgia as well. And then we'll talk about the pivots, uh, the, the center position. We know that the Tyler Linderbaum is a guy that you know is one of the better tight end prospects to come out in a while. But everyone was expecting Creed Humphrey to be a first-round pick. He ends up coming off the board in round two, and everyone's talking about him as a future All-Pro there for KC, a guy that's going to be manning that position for a decade. So, stranger things have happened, but he's not the only guy at that center position. We'll be talking about a few other guys, uh, just a couple of name drops there. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be talking about Cam Jurgens. We're going to be talking about Donovan West. We're also going to be talking about Dylan Parham. Cole Strange, just give you a few of those names that we will be talking about. Luke Fortner is another name as well at that center spot. So a lot that we're going to be talking about, um, you know, tomorrow. And then the next day, we'll flip to the defensive side of the football, talk about our edge rushers and our D linemen, linebackers, secondary, sprinkle in the specialists with the secondary to round things out. So hope you've enjoyed the content so far. Stick around. We've got plenty more podcasts to get to over the next few days. Hope you've enjoyed the content. And hey, the draft is right around the corner, so it's really time to get fired up and get excited. I can't wait for April 28th. I hope you're excited for it as well. And for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I am your host, Greg Schutz. As promised, I will get my seven-round mock draft up on the website here in the next day or so. And until next time, everyone, take care, and I am out of here.